Welcome to California Ballot Breakdown from KPFA, where we take you through the stakes of what's on your ballot, the money behind the campaigns, give everyone enough time to make their best argument, and then try to get them off their talking points. On today's special. It's just a result of 1990s era uh, uh, voting uh, in which this was enshrined in order to uh, mandate what was seen as the effective number of police at the time. A roundup of the places that policing is on the ballot, starting in San Francisco, a city where pushes to defund the cops have run into a problem. There are staffing requirements written into the city charter, the municipal equivalent of a constitution. We'll talk all about it in just a minute on California Ballot Breakdown. There are initiatives on the ballot all over our region that are in some way responding to the popular uprising following the police killing of George Floyd this year. Uh, We're going to start our coverage in San Francisco, where voters get a chance to change the city charter uh, to eliminate a pretty odd provision which sets minimum staffing levels for the city and county's police force. We're joined now by Joe Eskenazi, managing editor and columnist at Mission Local. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming back. Um, can you give us the backstory? Like, before we even get into the fight over Prop E, how did San Francisco wind up with staffing requirements written into its charter? Uh, this is a result of, this was difficult even for our elected officials to figure out, but it's just a result of 1990s era uh, uh, voting. Uh, in which this was enshrined in order to uh, mandate what was seen as the effective number of police at the time. And this is something that was, uh, if if memory serves, done at the behest of the police union uh, 30-odd years ago. So 30-odd years ago, the police union asked for a revision to the charter. Not even big news. It just happened. I mean, we've always had around that many officers. Uh, the way that it is baked into the charter now uh, does create interesting staffing conundrums because the airport officers don't count. So they're actually somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,200 sworn officers, but uh, the uh, own, uh, a good 300 of them don't count towards the 1,971 because they're at the airport or, or doing other things. Um, there were also supposed to be uh, mandatory footbeats, and that just didn't happen. Mandatory foot patrols? Correct. Huh. And there's no consequence for that not happening. Well, I mean, there's no charter jail. I mean, you don't you don't go to jail for not for not uh, for not obeying the charter. Uh, what what can happen is that um, is that I mean I mean because of uh, just infeasibility or various other reasons, we we miss charter requirements all the time. Uh, if the city were to grievously uh, undermine the police department by, you know, uh, by its current standards, then we would be, as a city, open to a lawsuit that we would probably lose. Presumably, the uh, entity bringing that lawsuit would be the the police union for Correct. San Francisco. Correct, like the, union, the police POA. union likes to ensure that its that its members are, are working, and it likes, and you know, almost any union would want to have uh, a high minimum staffing ratio. Uh, and having it, you know, within the constitution of the city would be even better. That's that that is, for all the, the the controversy with with police unions. This any union would want this. Yeah, it's an interesting study in how the law works in practice. So you have an amendment to the charter that says two things: uh, you you have to keep a, a high level of cops paid. And also, a certain number of them have to get out of their cars and patrol by foot, uh, which used to be considered a, a positive 
police reform that would promote better community relations. Uh, but if the only entity that's going to do any litigation to enforce it is the police union, uh, only one of those measures actually gets followed in practice. I think that's correct. But we've never had a lawsuit. But the city has, you know, at times been within, uh, had the 1,971, but at times it has not. Uh, it's always been relatively close, but uh, and that's what staves off a lawsuit. If it were neglecting it and making no bones about it, then then the city would probably be sued. All right, walk us through Proposition E. Well, Proposition E is an interesting uh, an interesting development. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Modern Times with Charlie Chaplin, where a truck uh, drives past Charlie Chaplin and a flag falls off the truck. And he picks up the flag and starts walking after the truck to return it. And a uh, labor march comes up behind him. And suddenly he's the ringleader of the labor march uh, without even knowing it. And that kind of happened to board president Norman Yee in San Francisco. This was originally just supposed to be having some kind of logical process to decide how many police officers you should have. Uh, 1,971 is about as arbitrary a number as you can get. And it, it, it also pertains to a different city with a different demographic and a different population from a different time. So what Norman Yee had wanted was uh, for the city to every two years have some manner of methodology behind its staffing requirements for police. He introduced this, um, or at least this came to fore a good six days before George Floyd was killed. And then suddenly it came on a total, it, it had a totally different light, uh, you know, because while every union would look at this and say, if you're doing away with the mandatory minimums, it could get less, uh, the most recent methodology actually calls for more officers by, by a factor of around 300. So that's what Norman Yee ostensibly wanted. He always said, I'll take whatever the methodology says. However, uh, once uh, George Floyd was, was killed and once, uh, quote unquote, defunding the police became something that, uh, that moderate and mainstream politicians were talking about, it quickly became clear this is the only way that you could do that, insofar as defunding the police means perhaps having fewer officers and having more mental health officers who aren't badge and gun uh, sworn uh, peace officers. Uh, you cannot get fewer than 1,971 officers without this amendment. And because of the way things work, where you can only have a, a charter amendment on a statewide election, you wouldn't be having another election after November 2020 until 2022. So getting this on the ballot was very important if, if you know, quote unquote, defunding the police was something that you wanted to have even the option of doing. Well, you talked about uh, Norman Yeida unintentionally winding up <laughs> in front of an angry mob uh, that, that he gets to call a parade now. Um, I, I, I'm curious about the opposition to this. It, it, well, the police union, outside, of course, opposed. Very the police union, of course, opposed. I don't think there's a, I mean, looking through, there's been no money raised on either side. None. And, you know, I don't think it's really being contested. Uh, I mean, people will vote for it or they won't. And uh, in this case, uh, it all of the arguments that the police union were making against it, and very nearly successfully, uh, don't really hold up right now because this doesn't lower the number of police. It gives you the option of lowering the number of police or raising it. It just gives you the option of doing things. And what was happening was uh, the meet and confer requirements that were uh, taking place. And, and by the way, under the aegis of the city attorney who was facilitating them, uh, were so slow that, uh, that Norman Yee was going to miss his deadline to get this onto the 2020 ballot. 
when I wrote about that, outside attorneys who have experience with this um, got a hold of President Yi and told him, this is not proper. They shouldn't be having these meet and confers with you. This is just a slowdown tactic. And the city is being too deferential to the police union, even after beating them in every venue, repeatedly. And uh, President Yi moved ahead and put it on the ballot. And now we'll vote on it. Now, in the future, there could be lots of recriminations, and, and we could have, you know, uh, labor issues with meet and confer and all the, you know, the, the uh, issues you'd expect of any labor-type situation. But that won't happen here because, again, this doesn't change things. It just gives you the opportunity to change things. Uh, meet and confer, to clarify for our listeners, this is language from the police union contract in San Francisco that the union typically uh, invokes the requirement to meet and confer to derail legislative pushes for police reform. A meet and confer is for almost any union, but you're correct that uh, the police union uh, evokes it, uh, you know, ritualistically, and that does slow things down. All right. Uh, Joe Eskenazi, thank you for the, the brief history and the explainer. I think we're going to leave it there. Fair enough. Thank you kindly. Joe Eskenazi is managing editor and a columnist at Mission Local. That is a nonprofit newsroom based in San Francisco. All right. On to a roundup of all the other police measures that are on the ballot in our region, which is Northern California and the Bay Area. Here's KPFA reporter Chris Lee. The most bitterly fought police reform proposal is a Sonoma County ballot that would expand the funding and authority of the independent office that reviews actions of the sheriff's department. Maddie Hirschfield is the political director of the North Bay Labor Council, which is backing Measure P. She says strengthening the Independent Office of Law Enforcement Review and Outreach, known as IOLERO, would ultimately save lives and money. Right now they have no subpoena power, uh, no independent investigatory powers. The sheriff doesn't even need to cooperate. Sonoma County has paid out millions in excessive use of force and wrongful death cases. As Election Day draws near, signs have sprouted up around Sonoma County, mainly in agricultural fields along highways, saying, no on Measure P, don't defund our deputies. Hirschfield says the signs are misleading. The added funds for the Independent Review Office would come from the county's general fund and not from the sheriff's budget. They're taking that, you know, that term, that buzzword, defund the police. This measure doesn't take one thin dime from the sheriff's department. Measure P is supported by dozens of labor organizations, civil rights organizations, and civil society groups. Opponents include the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office and its attendant union, the Sonoma County Deputy Sheriff's Association, and the Sonoma County Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau, whose address is listed as the location to pick up lawn signs for the No on Measure P campaign's website, did not respond to our requests for comment. San Francisco voters will decide on two separate law enforcement reform measures. Proposition D would create a new civilian oversight board to keep tabs on the sheriff's department. It would also create an inspector general appointed by the oversight board to investigate allegations of criminal misconduct by sheriffs and deaths at the county jail. Supervisor Shimon Walton, who authored the measure, says it responds to a pattern of lawsuits against the city, including a case that was dismissed by former District Attorney Scott New last year, alleging sheriffs had sadistically forced inmates to fight each other. The measure is backed by city and county elected officials, SF District Attorney Chesa Boudin, multiple labor unions, and others. It's estimated to cost about $3 million. 
Opponents include the San Francisco Taxpayers Association and San Francisco Republican Party, who argue the measure would contribute to unnecessary spending during a time of scarcity. Supervisors also placed Proposition E on the ballot. It would lift a 1997 ballot requirement that San Francisco maintain a minimum of 1,971 police officers on the force. The measure stops short of defunding the police, but allows lawmakers to turn some resources toward alternatives to police, starting with unarmed responders to 911 calls of mental health emergencies and other nonviolent incidents. San Jose has some police reforms lumped in with other citywide policies on Measure G, which would give the independent police auditor more teeth, expand the city's planning commission, and extend the redistricting deadline following the census. It would authorize the independent police auditor to review reports and records related to officer-involved shootings and use of force that resulted in injury or death, police reports, and body camera footage. Similar civilian oversight boards in neighboring cities like San Francisco and Oakland already have that authority. Despite this, police departments in all three cities have been slow to release records in the public interest. Measure G is supported by San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo, all city council members, and about a dozen community organizations. It has no formal opposition. Berkeley's proposed Measure II also faces no formal opposition. It resembles the policy that Oakland voters adopted in 2016. It would replace the nearly 50-year-old Police Review Commission with the Police Accountability Board. That board would have subpoena power to access police records and testimony, it would investigate misconduct, recommend corrective action to Berkeley police, and propose city policies. It would also participate in hiring the chief of police. Measure II is estimated to cost an additional $300,000 for a total of more than $1 million for the accountability board. The measure is supported by Berkeley Mayor Jesse Aragin, the full city council, local and state politicians, as well as numerous civil rights organizations and civil society groups. While cities like Berkeley and San Diego are only now considering the charter amendments necessary to give their police accountability board subpoena power, Rashida Grenage, coordinator of the Coalition on Police Accountability, explains that Oakland's review body has had that authority for decades. Part of the reason why uh, Oakland is ahead of the game in so many ways on this matter is that um, the group I formerly belonged to People United for a Better Life in Oakland, I started this work in the mid-90s. And um, it was a result of the work of Pueblo, who had a campaign for community safety and police accountability, that we were able to get subpoena power for the CPRB in 1996. Oakland's Measure 1 is another police reform measure with no formal opposition. It builds on a 2016 measure that established the Independent Police Commission. It would make the commission, the CPRA, Community Police Review Agency, and the Inspector General, who all work together to keep tabs on police misconduct, independent of the city administration. The police commission and the CPRA could hire their own attorneys, and it requires the chief of police to respond to the commission's requests for information. Lastly, it extends the deadline for CPRA investigations from 180 days to 250 and mandates an audit of the police commission and the CPRA every three years. Measure S-1 has the approval of both Mayor Libby Schaff and the Oakland Police Officers Association. 
That is surprising, because as Grenage recalls, Schaff was uncomfortable even as she went along with the police commission's decision this year to fire police chief Anne Kirkpatrick, who Schaff had previously praised. Grenage credits the massive anti-police brutality protests that erupted over the summer with shifting Schaff's outlook on the police commission. However, racial justice advocates say that Schaff and other city officials failed to answer calls by their movement to defund police and put those resources toward programs that address the root causes of social issues like crime in their communities. Liz Suck is political director of Oakland Rising. I think folks really want to know that the police can be held accountable for their actions, that they are not repressing people with impunity. But we want to be really clear that police are not there to create safety. They do not do any prevention work. Suck also sits on the budget advisory board of Oakland's task force to reimagine public safety, which the city council established in July to respond to thousands of citizens who demanded the city defund the Oakland Police Department. The task force will bring budget recommendations to the city council early next year. In Oakland, I'm Chris Lee, reporting for KPFA News. A reminder that you can find all of our California ballot breakdown segments, interviews with candidates, debates on ballot propositions, and now interviews with journalists about late-breaking movements of money into politics and the races that aren't quite what it says on the label. Just look for California Ballot Breakdown wherever you get your podcasts or at kpfa.org. A big thanks to Corinne Smith, who produces our debates and interviews. Remember, in California, your vote matters even more down the ballot.